Doug Plucknett, and this is a Leadership Connection. Today, I'm really happy to have a, a guest on, Jason Hartman, that I, I met a number of years ago when he was working at, at Cargill. Uh, I, he took my facilitator training class, did a number of RCMs in the oil seat business there, and then moved on to a place called Wilbur Chocolate, which I happen to have a little bag of Wilbur Chocolates right here, the Wilbur Chocolate Buds. It's a little bit of free advertising for Wilbur <laughs> Chocolate. It is the best chocolate in the world, and I'm not kidding. Right. I've been all over the place. I've been to Belgium, different places in Europe. And, and when I first went to work with Jason and Wilbur Chocolate, he turned me on to this by bringing in, I think that thing was like a 10-pound candy bar he brought into the yep. uh, RCM analysis for the team to munch on that week. Yep. So I'm proud to have Jason on. He's become quite a leader through the years and uh, really represents uh, leadership well. And uh, so I'd like to start out just by saying, hey, Jason, how's things going? I'm really well, Doug. I really thank you for thinking of me and inviting me to this uh, talk. And leadership is a fun topic to talk about. I'm glad to be here. All right. So if you could fill us in a little bit about your background, your education, where you went to school, the companies you've worked with, and the roles you've worked in at those different companies. Yeah. Yeah. So I got a chemical engineering degree that I obtained from. Kansas State University in 1999. Uh, I started working for Cargill with an internship and took a full-time hire after my I graduated. Really loved the company. I've actually worked for Cargill my entire career. Um, in that time though, in 22 years, I've actually worked in four different businesses or industries. So like soybean crush, soybean oil processing, cocoa bean processing, and chocolate processing. Six different facilities in three different states, and I've, I've been a variety of roles. So production supervisor, production management, project management, facility leader, maintenance manager, maintenance supervisor, reliability leader. Now I'm in a role of manufacturing technology, really key on subject matter expertise and chocolate processing. So I've been very blessed to be in a lot of different functions and operations and um, the diverse industries and backgrounds I've had. And, it's it's been it's been a really good career. Yeah, All right, Jason. So looking back at your career, when was first recognized as a leader, and where were you working at that time? Well, I I didn't think about that, and you know when I think when I first was identified as a leader was probably doing the RCM on the projects that uh, you and I actually had the opportunity to work together on in, in Wichita, and. However, when I look back at that, I don't think I recognize that. Um, I think others did and saw what, what we were doing there and, and how, how great it was and the value we were creating and just the leadership with the teams that we were leading and the work and, the, and getting the action items completed coming out of those RCMs. Um, you know, it was a heat exchanger project, right? We were putting in a big, it was a huge energy savings project to recover heat from the front end of the process. and or the back end of the process and take back the front end of the process. A um, lot of different assets, a um, lot of different controls, and just from the operators, the supervisors, everyone involved. I think what we did there was probably the first time where I was really leading a team of people. I think before that, I always managed a team of people. Now, I don't think right. I recognized it because I thought I was pretty, I was still very, very transactional at that point in my career, right? And didn't really recognize what I was doing. But in hindsight, looking back at that, I think that's, where you know, I think others recognize my leadership capabilities and qualities, even though I maybe hadn't yet individually. 
I can tell you that I recognized it pretty early on in the exact event that you talked about. And I can remember, you know, relating to uh, one of your uh, corporate leaders at that time. I said, well, you, you've got a gem out there. This is a guy that's just full of energy. Um, he's excited about the process. He's genuine in the way that he asks questions. You know, he wants to learn. And that's an important part about facilitating is, you know, you've got a process that you've been trained in. So you're the ones considered the expert in the process. But when it comes to RCM, you might not have any idea about the equipment you're working on. So you've got those experts in the room and you've got to ask those questions. And when you do it in a way that's genuine, like you were doing at that time, it really creates uh, some synergy with that team, right? And uh, so I, I can tell you very early on, I, I conveyed that, boy, this is a guy you want to keep an eye on. Um, <clears throat> so looking back again at your career over 22 years at this point, and I, I'm sure you've still got a ways to go, what are the, some of the successes that you're most proud of? Yeah, I think, you know, th that was a, that moment we just talked about was kind of a leaping stone for me where I transitioned. And I think as, as excited I was about that work, I think it was the work I did in the next five or six years right after that, that I'm really proud of. Um, and so two things, one, we, I, I moved to a new business, didn't know anything about cocoa bean processing, took on a small team around 12 people that was just getting ready to go through an expansion that had already started when I joined the team. And, you know, we basically, I felt like this was my first opportunity to really set a vision and a course for this team that really was lacking leadership um, and was going through a massive change. And we were able in three years to really improve the safety performance, um, the yield performance and the, and the output of that. And, and it was all credit to the team. I mean, in what, we did together right and i think you know when you look at just when i think of leadership and it's really how do you how do you build and develop teams at that what we accomplished there was really satisfying um and and you know the, the group was really disengaged at the beginning just because they hadn't really had much leadership and direction and they didn't know where we're going and they felt like the change was being forced upon them without any real input we were able to recover through that and get through the change and um you know, when I left that department um, in 2009, I mean, we were probably one of the best in our global business when it came to cocoa bean processing at the time. And so a lot to be proud of. And then second, um, transitioned a few, year, few years later to a facility manager role in a, in a business, in part of our same business, the chocolate business, where we were transitioning a warehouse into a production facility. So massive change, right? Putting in production lines, I mean, you know, you're bringing a whole bunch of new people into the team. And we actually, through that change, and it was a big project management focus, but we were able to, at the same time while we're putting in major production lines, implement a reliability system and process there, um, you know, aligned with our corporate vision at the time, right? But we deployed the full reliability from asset management, work management, 5S, Kaizen, continuous improvement loop, um, MRO inventory and stores optimization. And we did that all with all this massive change. And, uh, you know, just, you know, speaking with peers that came and visited the site from outside our business in both the function and outside of our business and what they saw when they talked to our people who could live it, who were living it, right? It wasn't, it wasn't a facade. It was really 
you could talk to people and genuinely hear from them. I'm a part of this. I, you know, this is my role when it comes to making sure my asset is running, you know, and, and they understood their assets, including the new assets that got put in and the processes behind them. And that, that was, I think, a really special time as well. Those are the two things that really stand out to me. There's a lot in there, but just that was a really great time for me professionally as I trans, as I really, what I think took really ownership of myself as being a leader um, after having the, the transition in my role professionally. Well, that's really, excuse me, a great story because uh, when you work with a group like that, which I, I had the opportunity to very early in, in my career uh, when I was a tradesperson, to have a group of people that are just so open to learning from each other and sharing what they know, sharing their knowledge um, and wanting to improve, uh, it makes a huge difference. And you walk away every day feeling as though you accomplished something, right? So looking uh, again, across the 22 years that, that you've been working in the manufacturing world, are there any people that you'd like to recognize as, as mentors that really helped your career uh, and motivated uh, you in terms of leadership? <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it, it was hard for me to, to really say there's one person, Doug, I mean, when, when it comes out, and, and maybe that's something for me to improve on or, or it's just different. You know, I always felt like that. I surrounded myself with a group of people that I can lean on, right? And there was never really one throughout throughout my career. And that, you know, and I look back at that and I'm like, could I have, was that something that constrained me or what could I have learned more? But it just seems like just maintaining natural relationships or you would just move and you would lean on people differently. And, you know, I, I think, you know, particularly my reliability career, um, Rick Baldridge and Cargill and corporate reliability leader, you know, exposing me to you and, um, you know, and, and developing my passion for liability at the time and my leadership in that space. Um, he was really, you know, very helpful in helping me understand how I developed as a leader specifically in reliability. Um, there's many others in that reliability space group. Really. Um, Recently, you know, there, there's a colleague that I work with, Ann Reiser, in our chocolate business, and she's been in Cargill's for as long as I have. And she's she's my, we joke, she's my work sister and I'm her work brother. And, you know, we, we really bounce ideas off each other. And and I, I think, you know, when I, when I think about what those two brought to me from a leadership standpoint, you know, I, I, I put it down to just a couple of things and it's really, you have to avoid groupthink, right? And that it's really when you have a team and you get and you're listening to people and you get motivated. After a while, you you can almost start to just be tunnel vision to what you're accomplishing and not seeing that you need to change, right? And that you what you've accomplished is great, but there's actually more you need to do, and you kind of get stuck with what you've done. And and yeah, people around you sharing all the same ideas. You got to make sure you have a diverse group of people to make sure that you're always hearing new information and making sure that you're challenging and being dissatisfied with the status quo. And, you know, and the other thing is you got to make time for you. Um, the only one who thinks about you is you really not, you have mentors, right. That'll help you or, or colleagues that'll help you. But if you can't make time for yourself as a leader to reflect and grow, um, actively seek feedback for yourself. Um, I think that's a limitation. And you know, I've, I, those are the two things that I've just learned you know, from those to even others, right, that I think have really helped me, 
you know, think about as I continue to grow in my career, you know, how do I make sure that I don't become stagnant and see what the next steps are and really be you know, proactive with my career, and proactive with my skill development so that I can continue to be a strong leader for whoever I'm serving, whether that's with Cargill or even outside of, outside of Cargill in leadership roles that I have outside of work. Interesting, because uh, the next thing I really want to talk about is, you know, what what motivates you in terms of leadership? What, what are the things that drive you to, to want to do that, to want to learn more, to want to improve? Uh, what is that driver, uh, in your opinion? So I'm going to use a, a non-work example for that because it's the best one I can use, Doug. And it's I'm, I'm a youth soccer coach. And I've been a youth soccer coach for 14 years, and it started when my oldest son got into soccer. Um, I played it when I was a kid recreationally, but really wasn't serious about it. Stopped when I got to high school. And, you know, you, you start as a volunteer, right? And you're like, oh, no one has a coach. I guess I'll coach, right? And that youth soccer coach experience, it was kind of the, the balance to work. And is and as I, start, as I did that after I transitioned to the chocolate business and was really starting to become aware of my leadership, um, skill, growth, and, and presence. And I recognize that, man, there's so much fun in watching people grow, right? And so I would see that at, I would see that at youth soccer, right? You, you have these kids, right? And I coach a variety of kids from five years old all the way to 18 years old, right? And no matter what, you, the most rewarding part of that is seeing them grow not just for soccer, right? But you could also have an impact on them. You know, you could you turn them into a wonderful young lady or a wonderful young man, right? Just by how you're being present with them. In the hour and a half you get two times a week, you know, at trainings. And it just, the results that the individuals could accomplish. And then when you put together with the team, I just had so much fun. And it made me realize I like leadership a lot. And why am I not, you know, sometimes enjoying it as much as work? And, and I think that connection to me is really what motivates me is, man, how do you develop a team to drive results? And those accomplishments are really exciting. And, but it's just not the overall team, but even the individual growth you see in members of your team, that's the thing that ultimately drives me to, to, that, to drive me to continue to be a great leader. That's an excellent example, Jason. You know, when I, I think back, you know, in my uh, career as a consultant, uh, adults are a little bit different. You know, they uh, uh, not as open as kids are in terms of, you know, I, I did the coaching thing as well and have had kids come up several years later, you know, that are now adults and say, hey, thanks for teaching me about mm -hmm. fairness, right? I, I can remember when you used to, uh, it didn't matter what who was in the starting lineup to you, you, you kept it fair. Right. And I, I remember thinking that's not fair because I'm better than this person or I'm better than that person. And then I realized that we all develop at a different rate. Right. And some of those kids that, that you started early on, that gave them the confidence to become better players. Uh, adults, you, you don't get that thanks as much. You know, and when you do, it's very special. And I, I will say there are a number throughout my uh, 20 years of doing this that, uh, I still talk to on a regular basis or I bump into a conference and when somebody says, man, you, you, you made an impact on me. That's quite a motivator, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I'll share a quick example. I we moved back to Pennsylvania um, after I moved out to Wisconsin and ran into some old friends and, and one of their sons I coached 
and now he's in high school and he came up to me and he says, coach, I will still call you coach today. And you, you had the most impactful thing in my life. It just wasn't about soccer. You've taught me everything about soccer, but you've taught me how to be a good person. And that just, I mean, how rewarding is that? Right. Yeah. Just, uh, I, mean, I didn't expect that out of this young kid. Right. But how mature and just how rewarding just to see that. Right. And that's, and you get that at work, right? And I think it's you, I, you're exactly right. I think when you do make those connections with someone, and they are they are humble enough to be able to be that grateful and come up to you and tell you that, that's really yeah. special in, in, in yeah. industry and manufacturing. It, it's <laughs> my wife has taught school for 33 years, and of course, as a teacher, an elementary school teacher, boy, she gets it all the time to the point where. <clears throat> Now that we have grandkids, we'll be walking through the mall, you know, uh, grown adults <laughs> and talk to Mrs. Plucknow, right? And my, I can remember my daughter saying to, to her daughter, oh, this is what my life was like as a, as a child. We, we couldn't go to the mall without mom stopping and talking five and six times to different people. So uh, <laughs> to have that as a motivator is a, is a fantastic thing. So now on a similar note, when I run into people at conferences, uh, uh, um, especially meeting people, uh, a Tim Gosher, for example, or Rick Baldridge, one of the first questions I would ask them when I met them was, uh, is there a course or a book that you read in your career that, that, that made a change? Because I always wanted to try to learn and read more, right? So I'm going to ask you that same question. Yep. Uh, is there a course that you took or a book that you read that really made a difference? Yeah. Um, so there's two books that, and they're not they're not really recent, but I still find myself going back to them at times and grounding myself in them because how impactful at the time when I read them. Um, one was the five five dysfunctions of a team by Patrick Lencioni, um, and just you know it's team building, right? And talking about the absence of trust and fear of conflict and lack of commitment, avoidance of accountability, and an inattention to results. I mean, those are the five dysfunctions, and and how can you see those in your team? How can you break them down and really create vulnerability and, um, you know, great high standards, and, and there's no ego. Um, it's really, you know, that that team building, I think, is critical to leadership, and, and we talked about that a little bit already, and so that, that book is one that I've really, I'll find myself referencing occasionally just to make sure that, because I, I just, it's a go-to for me. And the other, the other one was something that Cargill was really big on, and it, it's not really a leadership book, but I, it's just two concepts, there, but it's good to great. And it was really early on in my career, um, but in Good to Great by uh, Jim Collins, it, you know, it talks about level five leadership. And there's a hierarchy about different levels of leadership. And, you know, level five leadership is really about will and humility. And so the drive and, and just being vulnerable and, and that really hit with me. And now that book's around executives at companies, right? But, it, you know, the hierarchy, you know, I think there's, there's a lot you can learn from it and where you want to go. But just that drive and passion that you have to have to lead people at the same time come up with a sense of humility and genuineness that, people really want to connect with you and the other part of that book was the hedgehog concept right which is you know there's there's you can only be good at what you you can't be good at everything right so what are you deeply passionate about what can you be the best in the world and what drives your economic engine 
And, you know, I think with that center is your hedgehog. For me, you know, when you're a leader, there's so much you have to do sometimes with the team, right? You got to, and then that, that hedgehog concept has really helped me focus as to really what, what can it be? Because it can't be everything, right? No leader can take, I don't think any leader can take every, anything from A to Z, right? It, you're, you're doing your portion, you're building your foundation, and you're helping the team be successful for the next leader that's going to come around. Um, so you got to be focused, and I think you got to focus on what you can do. And that's not always everything. I think a lot of people try to do everything, but I don't know that that's really reasonable. And I, I have found success by being focused in that way and really think about what can we be passionate, what can we truly be good about, and um, and how does it align with our value, right? How do we create value for either our customer or our business? All right, so Chase, looking at leadership, um, do you think it's a natural skill or a learned skill? <laughs> Oh, that, that's a tough question. Um, I'm going to go with natural. And, and the reason being is I think if we don't constrain ourselves to who can be leaders, you can find natural leadership ability in lots of people. And I have been surprised in my career of people who can lead. And you may not always think that they can, and they may have never been coached to, but if you put them in the right circumstance right but something maybe they're passionate about right and something that they really care about um they can just step up and be a leader and and i will you know when i first moved to our new new facility in our acquisition in chocolate we were working again with rick on a reliability excellence deployment and there was a, a supervisor who's, who's managed people for a long time he's retired now um and really rough around the edges right and um, but I was able to build a relationship with them pretty quickly when I got there. And there was something about you could just tell, right? And I took him to another plant, another facility in Cargill, and showed him what the vision, the instinct could look like when it comes to reliability. And man, that just lit a fire underneath him and he completely changed, right? And he just, and Rick even said, this guy's the leader, right? He's going to be the one that helps you deploy this. And, and, I don't think anyone at that site, you know, when I first got there, no one was looking at him and saying, oh, this guy's a leader. I mean, yeah, he was a manager of people. He was a supervisor. But, you know, leadership's something different. And, you know, yes, management is part of being a leader, and there's always management tasks. But, you know, leadership is something different in motivating people, building people, helping educate people, listening to what their needs are, breaking down their barriers. And this guy was able to do that. And, you know, I think sometimes we – we think it's something that you have to learn, but I think you gotta put people in the right situation and, and get them passionate about it. And they, you can unlock some things that are naturally there. Now certainly can they, can they learn to make it better and be more improved? Sure, but that's why I think it's a more of a natural skill. All right, so going with that, um, one of the things that I tell people is, uh, and a lot of people don't recognize is, is opportunity itself as a motivator, right? Some people just have never been given an opportunity to lead. So when you give them a, that opportunity, right, and I tell them, what, what have you got to lose by giving someone an opportunity, right? All you have, the only thing to it is upside. If they, if they can't lead, you say, okay, I gave a person an opportunity that was a good thing, and they just didn't show the capabilities. Doesn't mean they can't do something else and be successful in this company. When you give them an opportunity, the upside is, 
holy smokes, you just created somebody that uh, now there is no limit probably to what they can do, right? So that's a, a fantastic thing. So a question, Jason, to finish out here, um, someone once told me that in our world, you can either be a leader or a manager. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> um, well, one, you know, one is I think there's one other term that's probably left out of that, which is follower. Um, and I think all three of those have to be, it depends on your role at the, at the time, right? Um, so I don't, I don't know that I, I prescribe by that, Doug. I, I think, am I a leader? Yes. Right now, do I manage people? No. Um, have I been in roles where I've had to manage people? Yes. Does that make me a leader because I manage people? Maybe. Um, you know, but at times I also need to be someone, I need to be someone that can, who's leading that I need to be the person that's kind of the army, right? And helping drive the change and executing. And maybe I lead my own little way. Um, but, you know, managers sometimes can, you know, it's a, it's a tactical hierarchical type of thing, right? You have to manage people, expectation setting, performance management, whatever you want to say are the tactical executions of manager. Leadership isn't tactical and strategic. And so I, I don't, I don't know that they're, inclusive or exclusive of one another. Um, I think that it depends on where you're at. Um, I like to think you can be all three of them when you need to be. You can be a leader, a manager, and a follower. Um, it's not that clear to me. I think that's a million dollar question. And I think if anyone had the answer to it, we'd, we'd, we'd have it all figured out, right? Yeah, it was an outstanding answer, right? I, I did this uh, recently with Ron Moore. And uh, of course, which I was not aware, uh, either I wasn't aware or I'd forgotten because that happens at my age. Uh, he was a West Point grad, right? So he's got a strong military background. And he says, you have to be both, right? Um, in, in order to be a good leader, you, you also have to manage, like it or not, right? And he goes, and I can understand why some people say that they don't like the management side, but he says to be a good leader, you have to be a manager as well. Right? You have to manage people, you have to manage a process. Um, and uh, that's also one of the big ways of, of getting people to understand who you are and, and, and having respect is being able to show that you can do both. So interesting answer, I like that, especially the, the third piece of it, the follower. Uh, yep. Jason, fantastic catching up with you. Um, uh, you're a person that I think about from time to time, especially because I, I am that guy that uh, orders that Wilbur chocolate at least once or twice a year. Uh, my kids look forward to it. They're all grown adults at Christmas, right? And uh, <laughs> this year we were, uh, I was a little late on the order and uh, that was one oh, of the first no. that came out was, where's my Wilbur chocolate? <laughs> yeah. So it has been fantastic catching up with you. Um, we're going to sign off at this point. Uh, this is Doug Pluckneff. This has been the Leadership Connection. Have a great day.